Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, July 16th, 2019. Man, I gotta tell you, this episode of Fighting for the Faith, I feel like I'm taking one for the team, man. Just. Like, two of my least favorite people to review, and I'm gonna do them both in one episode. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible and compare, compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there, and We take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complexes, those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, yeah, that's put that's teaching that's put forward for consumption by the average evangelical, far from biblical, far from what God's Word says. There's just a whole lot of deception going on out there. And we're trying to help save you and a lot of, well, let's just put an eternity of woe is the best way I could put it. So, all right. <sighs> Taking a breath. I got to I got to take one of those deep cleansing breaths. Hang on. <sighs> All right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> My least favorite people on planet Earth to, to review. And like I said, I'm doing them both in one episode. What am I thinking? Anyway, so what we're going to do on this installment of Fighting for the Faith, we're going to begin with a uh, real talk Kim segment uh real talk kim segment let me kind of just throw the question out there H- have you ever been told that you know when you were born the dev- devil got nervous and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah that's <laughs> i that's kind of what we're gonna be here from <laughs> real talk kim we're gonna be reviewing a message of hers t- titled i see it now and um man <laughs> Do I sound like I don't want to do this? And 
when we're done with that segment. We're going to take a break. And when we come back from the break, yay, we're heading down to Elevation Church and uh, listen to a recently preached Stephen Furtick sermon on uh, the, the story of Joseph. And it's just a complete train wreck and just narcissistically. So so uh, that's what we're going to do for today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable and uh, and since we're going to start off with a real talk Kim segment, let's let, let's do this. Oh, it really doesn't matter what I do, what I do, as long as I do it with a flair. What effect a little smoke is with a dash of hocus pocus and the scent of burning sulfur in the air. I'm a fraud, a hoax. A charlatan, a joke, but they love me everywhere. For it really doesn't matter what I do, what I do, as long as I do it with a flair. That's right. It doesn't matter what I do or what I say, as long as I do it with a flair. Okay, we're going to be heading over to Real Talk Kim's YouTube channel. And really, I think we need to rename this woman. It needs to be Empty Talk Kim because this is a woman who does not rightly handle God's word at all. I don't even think she could do so if she really tried. And it's quite evident that what she really is is a person who is really good at whipping up a crowd. You can you could say she's into self-help or a motivational speaker. But the problem is, is you're going to hear this in a second, that she's also uh, a pastor. Yeah. So we're going to be listening to uh, what's called a sermon, but it's not really a sermon. I'll let her explain. Here's Empty Talk Kim. Pastor Kim. Hey! What's going on? Man, what, what, what? You feel it, huh? Y'all don't want to go home, do you? <laughs> oh, man, the power of God is in this place. I got a good word for you today. Tell your neighbor, I see it now. now. Come on, I see it now. I see why that... See what? Neighbor, I see it now. Come on, I see it now. I see why that bankruptcy had to happen now. I see why that divorce had to happen now. I see why I had to go through that sickness now. Now, I see it now. You can sit down, man. We are so excited to have you. Man, I'm telling you something. I I literally walked in. You're you're about to walk in a season. I here's what I hear the Lord saying. I'm I'm about to walk in a season. Just happen to be walking in one now. The season's called summer. Yeah. And, you know, when we get to be about September-ish, the seasons will change here in North Dakota. I live in American Siberia. So the next season gets here a little sooner for us up here than it does for people down in Georgia. The next season is, are you, are you sitting down? It's fall. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I usually walk in seasons, you know, it's. And there's four to choose from winter, spring, summer, and fall. Yeah. You're about to walk in a season of fast forwardness. 
Really? Yeah. What What does a season of fast forwardness look like? He's about to turn the speed up in your life. That thing you've been praying about, you forgot you prayed about. <laughs> get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. He about to open those doors you forgot you prayed about. <laughs> You're in a season where he's about to turn things up. Tell your neighbor, I see why it had to happen. I, I see. This is not biblical preaching. At all. This is just utter nonsense. My sermon this morning is called, I see it now. I see it now. You're forbidden by scripture to actually preach sermons. Saying. Bring it on. Bring it on. Devil, you should have taken me out when you could have. Because I'm about to get my whole bounce back. I'm about to get my anointing back. I'm about to get my power back. I'm about to get my joy back. My my power back. Wow. I had no idea. Wow. Oh, okay. Wow, I must be amazing. I'm about to get my sleep back. I'm about to get my money back. I'm about to get my health. I, I hope the people there who've been tithing at your church, that they, they do get their money back. They should. Back. I'm about to get my mind back. I'm about to get my heart back. It's got to be true. They're playing in a, a Hammond B3. You know? Yeah, yeah. Boom. Shakalaka. Like a boom. What? Boom. Shakalaka boom. Shamalama ding dong. We ain't scared of nothing. We ain't scared of no storm. Because listen, when you make it through something, you can't tell us nothing. We ain't scared of no ghost. We ain't. What? <laughs> I want you like a. A twisted line from the song, the, the Ghostbusters song. I ain't afraid of no ghost. Who are you going to call? <clears throat> yeah, the empty talk, Kim, yeah. We ain't scared of no trial. We ain't scared of no tribulation. Because when we came out, we came out on fire. And you don't even smell like smoke. Man, a- yeah, twisting. Yeah, an allusion to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. She has no clue what that story is about. People just knew your story. If they just knew what you are going through right now, with a smile on your face, you're going through some things that would have taken somebody else out, but you're making it. You're making it. High five yourself. Go on and what? High five yourself. No. High five yourself. High five yourself. Other people ain't high fiving you. High five yourself. Support yourself. Go get you a birthday cake and throw yourself a whole party. My scripture this morning is Mark 10, 46 through 52. Mark 10, 46 through 52. When you get it on your phone. Let's take a look. Mark 40, 10. Okay, this is the story of blind Bartimaeus, I think. Mark 10, 46 to 52. Yep, that's the story of blind Bartimaeus. Yeah, we Reggie Dobbs, we covered Reggie Dobbs uh, telling this story not too long ago. Well, let's see what Empty Talk Kim does with it. Okay. On, say it. I want everybody turning to it, turn to it, turn to it. I want you to get a photographic memory. 
I'm, I'm telling you, something's about to happen in this church. I prophesy in the next 30 days, this ain't going to be nothing. We're going to have three services, four services every Sunday with people that are hungry for God because lives get radically changed when you're hungry for a move of God. No longer are we coming to church. Where does it say that God, lives get radically changed when you're hungry for a move of God? Can you show me that in the Bible? And patty caking. And walking out broken. No longer are we going to walk out of this place with a clap back, angry. Before you ever even leave the parking lot, you cussing. Because it's in your heart. Because what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. What's in your head comes out of your mouth. I'm saved, but I cuss a little. You better get your heart right. Because your heart is stopping you from moving into your destiny. Oh my Heart's keeping me from moving into my destiny. Who knew? I know a few. Oh, she's reading the Amplified. This is going to be a mess. I'm watching Facebooks. I am the stalker pastor that watches your Facebook. That, 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 that's creepy right there. He just admitted to being a stalker pastor who stalks the Facebook of the people who attend her church. Okay, ew. You don't know I'm there. <laughs> but I'm watching your Facebook, your Instagram. And I know why some of your life looks the way it looks. Because you got one foot in and one foot out. You, you want a full-time God on a part-time relationship. I want a miracle and a revival in my life, but I don't want to sell out for it. I, I don't want to let go of this unforgiveness for it. I, I don't want to, I can't, I can't forgive my ex. He deserves to be killed with a train. If I forgive my ex, then I'm pardoning the crime he did against me when he cheated with my best friend. It's, that is blocking your blessing. That's why the devil gets you. <laughs> Let's take a look at that story of Blind Bartimaeus shout because this is creeping me out. I mean, this not only is she an empty talker, I mean she's um Yeah, this is this is some strange stuff here. Uh, yeah, let's biblical interlude, shall we? A uh, little moment of sanity in the middle of this weird video. <clears throat> Mark chapter ten, verse forty six. So as they came to Jericho, so Jesus and his disciples have made their way down to Jericho. As he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. A little bit of a note here. We know this fellow's name. His name is Bartimaeus. He, went by the, he was a blind beggar, and we know that he was the son of Timaeus. How is it that we know his name? Uh, oftentimes, when, especially in the Gospels, where somebody's name is mentioned, the reason we know that is because they they are part of the worship community. They are, they are part of the church, uh, you know, after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. So uh, they, they know who this fellow is because he continued going to church, if you know what I mean. So blind Bartimaeus, uh, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Again, we've noted this. Not too long ago, but this is a great prayer. This is, this, in fact, that's exactly what this is. And we can pray the same thing. We, we don't have to have Jesus next door to us or walking down our street. We can cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
And so many people rebuked him, telling him to be silent. And he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So he wasn't going to be silent. So Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man saying, hey, take heart, get up, he's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And we noted you know, a little bit of a note here. Same word for has made you well is the same word that's used for have made you well in the story of uh, the healing of the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. And it's in it, its it, it's sozo save. So Jesus said, hey, pistis suse soken say your faith has saved you. And immediately he recovered his sight, followed him on the way. And so, you know, this is all about Jesus. I mean, isn't that an amazing story that somebody can give sight to the blind and can say to this fellow that your faith has saved you? That's exactly what the text says. It's a great prayer, great text of Christ's mercy and grace and the fact that he saves us and we can pray to him as well in our time of need and that it is faith in Jesus Christ that saves us as well. So, all right, that's a nice little interlude there. Let's go back to the crazy, shall we? You threw distractions. Some of y'all still going to a therapist over something that happened 48 years ago. And you still ain't well. Serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That if you just open your mind and open your heart and breathe in his presence, he makes you brand new. He's doing a blood transfusion. This feels like a brow beating to me. I feel like I'm being nagged. Transfusion in here this morning. He's taking the old way out and putting the new way in. And when you walk over the threshold of this place, you're walking into purpose and destiny. The day you were born, August the 20th. You're, you're walking into purpose and destiny. Really? Really? 29th, 1972, and you came out of your mama. The doctors heard, Wah! but hell heard purpose, destiny, a person that won't quit, a person that's... I got to play that again. That is probably one of the most bizarre and ludicrous things I've ever said. Each and every one of us is born dead in trespasses and sins. And you'll note that this is a self-glorifying type of message that we're hearing here. Yeah, that uh, apparently, you know, when I was born, I don't know, maybe she wouldn't attribute this to me. But when she was born, you know, you know, the doctors heard wah, but uh, the devil heard purpose now, let's, let's listen to that again 72 and you came out of your mama the doctors heard Wah! but hell heard purpose destiny a person that won't quit a person that's got it going on the generational changer for your family all glory be to me wow yeah <clears throat> i exalt me I exalt me. Yeah, okay. The devil's telling you, oh, there's another storm coming. You can't even get in here and listen to me preach it because you're over there scared to death of what the doctors are going to say on Monday. The doctors are saying that the hell and devil's telling you, oh, there's another storm coming in your life. You better rise up, baby. Quit being bent over. Rise up and tell the devil, oh, devil, I am the storm. You don't know who you are. (laughs) 
so so Jesus would have me rise up and tell the devil I am the storm. This is just utterly delusional. Wow. You messing with? Bring it all. Let me get to my scripture. Oh yeah, please do. I'm sure you're going to mangle it horribly. You've been filling these people's heads with narcissistic nonsense and somehow thinking that the devil's afraid of them. <laughs> he ate. Mark 10, 46 through 52 says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Barnabas, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of... You know, I, I got to do this. I'm going to do a little word search in my Bible, and I'm going to look for the word... Not lying. <laughs> Roseburg, you need to learn how to spell. Anyway, I'm going to look for the word lion, and I'm going to look in the epistles. Yeah, here's... Uh, <laughs> That's what I thought. First Peter chapter five. In fact, let me add a little bit of uh, context to this. Uh, I'll start at verse six. First Peter chapter five, verse six. Listen to what Peter wrote. This is a guy who hung out with Jesus, you know, walked on the water for just a smidge, um, blew it terribly, denied Christ three times, was restored by Christ. You know, th this guy. Uh, he, and here's what he writes to the to Christians, to us. He says, humble your Hmm. Hmm. Peter says, humble. I, I hear empty talk, Kim talking, and that doesn't sound like she's teaching people to humble themselves. They, they're, she's teaching them to think really ridiculously stupid things about themselves that aren't even true. They are somehow high and mighty and powerful and getting their powers back, and the devil is afraid of them because the devil heard purpose when they were born and stuff. Uh-huh. Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So resist him, firm in your faith, knowing the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by the, your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. It, it's as if um, Real Talk Kim is trying to get people to somehow establish themselves. Because, I mean, they're, they're so important, you know. I'm a David. Have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him, be quiet. Be quiet. Don't come into church and worship lavishly. That's emotional. Oh. Uh, this text has nothing to do with worshiping lavishly. What does that even mean? But we'll go to the Braves game and scream as loud as we can get. Because something happens whenever you start yelling. It makes people worship a little bit harder, right? Sing a little louder. Yeah, this text has nothing to do with how loud you worship either. Uh, yeah, blind Bartimaeus was praying to Jesus. 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But then he started crying out more. That's why when I walk in here and go through some trials and tribulations, you ain't never going to know it. I go through hell just like you do, but y'all don't put it on Facebook. Because I ain't giving the devil credit even in my fingertips. I'm going to sing a little louder. I'm going to shout a little louder. Yeah, what what, what good is that going to do exactly? I'm going to make you a little nervous. You succeeded there. Yeah. And many rebuked him. Telling him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more. Son of David. Have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said. Call him. And they called the blind man. See the one that's worse. That's how come I worship so hard. Because I know there's billions of people on Sunday morning in church. Yeah this text isn't about you. uh, Empty talk Kim. This, This text is about Jesus. Not you. <laughs> and I just got in my head if this if God sees this little white woman with a mohawk that's really black on the inside, he sees me crazy. He Wouldn't that be cultural misappropriation? Just you know, just saying. He, he gonna sit right in front of me because my worship produces breakthrough. <laughs> my worship produces breakthrough. No text says that either. What you worship is your idol. You worship that sickness, you're going to stay sick. Who worships a sickness? You honestly have no idea what you're talking about, do you? Call him, Jesus said. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you, boo. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came running to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith, boom. Uh-huh. Go your way. Your circumstances look one way. But your faith, the size of a mustard seed. That's why you can't have faith and fear. Foolish faith what you need. The kind of faith that everybody in your family says, Girl, don't you dare quit that job and go full-time ministry. You n- Yeah, this text has nothing to do with that either. The Obamacare, they're going to they get you on your taxes if you don't have, and you're over here staying at a job that you can't stand. And you know what? When I look out on those cemetery and I drive by a cemetery, all I can think about is all the dead dreams that are sitting in those plots in that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they actually bury people in cemeteries, not dreams. Yeah, No, I'm just saying because, you know, I, I've presided at a few funerals, more than a few now. And, um, yeah, we always put a corpse in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you, you know, the wages of sin is death. And each and every one of us dies because we're sinners. 
she's worried about de- dead dreams being buried in a cemetery. I, I would note that it's it's far more dire than that. Ground because people really did not have faith. My family never did it. So how can I do it? I dropped out of school in eighth grade. Had a baby out of wedlock. Who am I to write a book? Who would ever want to hear my story? Isn't the job of a pastor to, you know, preach Jesus' story? Weird. You're telling a story about Jesus and you seem to be oblivious to the fact that it's about Jesus. Jesus and his followers were walking through Jericho. Yeah. They were on their way to Jerusalem. Many people were traveling through to go to Jerusalem for a feast of Passover. It was kind of like this weekend at Level Up. Everybody that came into that place. So, so Jesus on his way to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover is a lot like your Level Up conference. How, how do you figure? Came expecting to level up. Not one person... It's everybody came to expect to level up. Isn't that like a video game thing? Invested in themselves, got on a plane, got in a car, drove by themselves to come into Turning Point Church for level up to stay the same. See, because you know why? What you surround yourself with is what you're going to become. There was just something on the inside of you like blind Bartimaeus that said, if I can just get to Turning Point, there's going to be about a thousand people in that place. And I'm going to hijack somebody else's faith until I get my deliverance going to hijack somebody else's faith until I get my deliverance. That ain't taught in the Bible either. I don't know where she's getting her theology from. She's clearly making it up herself. Um, Wow. And the people there just love her for it. But uh, let me remind you of the prophecy about people like Real Talk Kim that is given for us in Scripture. This is one of our go-to texts. Unfortunately, we have to go to it a lot nowadays. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writing to young Pastor Timothy says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and doctrine. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they'll turn away from listening to the truth, and they will wander off into myths. I think that would be an example of that. Uh, people wandering off into myths by listening to Real Talk Kim, because Real Talk Kim is empty talk, Kim, and that's a whole lot of empty talking right there. And she ain't preaching the word, and she shouldn't be preaching anyway. So I think you get the point. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fire Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Fire Christian. Quick break, when we come back, we're heading down to Elevation Church and listen to Stephen Furtick preach about Joseph and his dreams. Yeah, it's actually about you. Stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. This might feel like theological waterboarding, but you'll get used to it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. 
I've had enough of this sissy, brainsy, cunning, photo-written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. Hey guys, it's Rex here. I know that you've all been hearing about Stephen Furtick's latest book, Greater. Well, I took the time to check it out, and I have to say that I was greatly underwhelmed. For example, in this book he talks about Elisha burning his plows in order to follow Elijah. For some reason, Furtick then asked us to do the same. Uh Uh-huh, right. Furtick only gave you half the story. Where in your book does it tell everyone to sacrifice their oxen and cook their carcasses over your burning plows, Furtick? Nowhere. That's why I'm taking it one step further with my new book, Greater Than or Equal To. You think Furtick's book was bad? Well, my book will do it better, better. I'm not a wimp like Furtick. I do it all. That's right. Not only did I burn my plows like Elisha, but I took my oxen and I sacrificed them with my bare hands. I moved on from that, and I'm now living it up like John the Baptist. I wear a camel's hair jacket with my Bible pants and eat locusts with wild honey. I added some chipotle sauce for flavor. I, I guess it worked. Anyway, got another question for you, Furtick. Ever heard of Hosea? Well, you conveniently skipped the whole part about marrying a prostitute. Well, I did it. On top of that, I'm cooking the locusts tonight for my new wife. Just like Ezekiel. I'm cooking my food over poop. It's so awesome. So watch out, Furtick. Greater than or equal to is way better than your book, you pansy. And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. (laughs) To err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. 
Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society and it's, it's coffee. There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at gillespie.coffee and it'll arrive at your door in a convenient resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out! Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that uh, empty talking and narcissists are bad things, not good things. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts and financial contributions, in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew, and rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, click on the Donate button. If you'd like to become a patron on Patreon, click on the Become a Patron button. If you'd like to support us the traditional analog way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right. Time for part two of this. Let's do this. As you watch 
sisters dreamed you'd be their mentor. You'd be their mentor, and you're so vain. You probably pick the battles about you. You're so vain. I bet you think the battles about you, don't you? Don't you? Gospel, heard the real gospel, and you're so vain. You probably think the Bible's about you. You're so vain. I bet you think the Bible's about you, don't you? Don't you? Oh, yeah, the pain, the agony. It's gonna be like crawling on your belly, shirtless, over glass. <laughs> Let me go ahead and back off on the music. Today we're going to be heading over to Elevation Church, and the best thing I can say is if you haven't already availed yourself of the teaching titled A Pirate Christian's Guide to Understanding the Old Testament Part 2, then you need to uh, watch or listen to that first before you get to today's installment of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to be heading over to Elevation Church, and we're going to be listening to Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick is the king of the Narsajites, and Narsajites is a form of scripture twisting where you take the biblical text and you make them about yourself when you're not the hero of the story. And so in the teaching titled uh, A Pirate Christian's Guide to Understanding the Old Testament Part 2, uh, I did an extensive teaching on the story of Joseph and demonstrated the connection points on how it connects back to Christ. It's a type and shadow story that has a lot to do with the life of Christ, including the death and resurrection and exaltation of Christ, his uh, humiliation, state of humiliation, him being a slave, and the connection points back to Jesus are uh, incredible. They are uncanny uh, in, the, in the details, and I didn't even do an exhaustive look at the story. But Stephen Furtick is a guy that we've noted since he's come on the scene that he engages in Jesus, the, the reading of the love of yourself into the biblical text, and makes himself the, uh, the, the center of the story, makes you the center of the story. And the story of Joseph that uh, Stephen Furtick engages in here is just quintessential Jesus. It's really a complete mess because this story isn't about me. It's not about you. It's a, it really ultimately has to do with Christ. So let's head over to Elevation Church, shall we? And the name of the sermon we'll be listening to a portion of is titled, The Danger of a Dream. And uh, let's get to it. Here we go. This is a scripture in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, that has in it so much, so, uh, so, so many of you who know the story of the biblical character Joseph will be tempted to fast forward again to the end of the story 
And I'm going to challenge you not to because this is where the sermon starts today in Genesis 37, verse 5. For a few weeks out of every year, I plan my teaching to be independent of a series. A lot of times I teach around one theme, but then I clear parts of the calendar intentionally. I've learned to do this now in 13 years of pastoring, that you just need to leave a little room for some things that have been in your heart. This particular message... Leave some room for some things that have been in your heart. Um, I was able to share some of the content with our staff last year and really been waiting for an opportunity to share it with you. And so I'm very excited about it today. But just one verse to get us started in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. The Bible says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So for everybody who's thinking that when you get a good idea, everybody's going to go fund you, they're not. This story isn't about you. And you'll note that the first mistake he makes is that somehow thinking that you coming up with a good idea is the same thing as the dream that Joseph had. Joseph's dream was a prophecy. Yeah, it was a prophecy from God. And so the origin for it was God. You coming up with a good idea is not a synonymous concept with Joseph's dream. And so here, the Narcissus begins, and and this guy has refuses the best way I can put it refuses to recognize that the scriptures are about Christ. He thinks this is about you. You having a good idea is has nothing whatsoever to do with this story, and that everybody's going to support you and understand you. Don't expect that because this message I want to speak to you about your dreams today. The dreams God has put in your heart. But I want to... What dreams has God put in my heart? What are you talking about? I talk about it from an unusual subject heading called the danger of a dream. And this message comes with a warning label. If you'd like your night... The, the, the danger of a dream. I'd clean my ears out. What on earth are you talking about? So you'll note then, he thinks the story of Joseph is normative. Oh, if you're a audacious believer in Jesus Christ, like Stephen Furtick is, oh, you're going to get a dream and it's, oh, it's just like Joseph and it's, oh, it's dangerous, man. Th this is nonsense. I pointed out that Judah didn't get a dream. Reuben didn't get a dream. Yeah, none of Joseph's other brothers got any dreams at all either. You know, so, you know, why, this is nonsense. This is ridiculous. Where in the New Testament are we told by Jesus? Oh, that oh, you should expect that you're going to get a dream just like Joseph's. The life of Joseph is a type and shadow that exemplifies Christ. And the whole story itself is a salvation story. Yeah, and Joseph becomes the savior in the story. Again, if you haven't availed yourself of a pirate Christian's guide to understanding the Old Testament part two... You really need to do that before you continue with this, with this uh, installment of fighting for the faith. Nice little comfortable version of the way life is supposed to be. Slip out now, click off now, watch a TED talk. But this message is for somebody who has a God-given dream. Are you starting to sense it? And I just pray. Are you starting to sense the God-given dream? Totally missing the point. In fact, let's pray right now. Lord, open our hearts to receive what you say and then give us the courage to obey it. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be... False doctrine here. 
totally false doctrine, creating a false expectation. God has not promised you a Joseph type dream. You see that? I wonder a lot of the time what my kids will remember about their childhood. And I'm scared they'll remember all the scenes I want them to delete. It seems like they remember the times I got mad more than the times I bought them stuff. And I don't like it. But I would say that some of the things that stand out to me about my childhood, particularly my teenage years, are some of the more random incidents. One thing that I remember from my childhood and my mom remembers it a little differently than I do, but she's out of town today, so I can tell the story the way I want to tell it, <laughs> is uh, when I was auditioning for this band. And I won't bore you with the long story, but my dream from age 17 on was to be a pastor. But before that, I wanted to be a punk rocker. And I almost had the chance because I was at the North Charleston Coliseum. Have I told you this story, Robert? Best story ever. Um, Green Day was playing at the North Charleston Coliseum. And Billy Joe Armstrong called me up on stage and gave me his guitar to play a guitar solo. And uh, it, it was something he had been doing every night on tour. He was looking for the most talented kid in the room, which that night was me. Or just whatever kid looked the most excited or whatever the case was. And he put his Fender Stratocaster around my neck. True story. I'm 15 years old. And I played the guitar solo for a three chord song called knowledge by the band operation ivy i still remember how the song went um but i'm not going to sing it for you right now because it's a waste of time we need to get back to genesis 37 but what that set off was kind of like a chain of events where i became a lot more popular in school and i was so excited the next morning i woke so i gotta ask the question what on earth does this have to do with the story of Joseph? Answer, nothing. Unless, of course, you're so deluded that you think the story of Joseph is about you. I woke up and I was listening to the radio and the DJ, his name was The Critic, was talking about the Green Day show. And I was getting ready for school, listening to the radio, still excited, only slept about an hour, excited to get to school, excited to be like, how you like me now to all the girls who didn't pay me attention the day before. And, and he goes, um, oh, he said, uh, the Green Day show last night. He said, it wasn't a very great show, but there was one part. He said, there was a kid who got up on stage and ripped on guitar. He was the highlight of the show. He stole the show. His words, not mine. I'm very humble. I would not say it that way. But that's the way he said it. That's the way the critics said it. And, and so I called in. I called the radio station. I was like, you got to put me through. That's me he's talking about. I'm about to go to school right now. I got to leave in like five minutes. My mom's waiting for me. But that was me he was talking about on stage that played guitar. Put me through to the critic. And they put me through to the critic. And I said, hey, that was me you're talking about. He said, well, hey, kid, bring your uh, demo tape by. Because I told him I had a band. And he was like, bring your demo tape by and we'll play it on the air. But we didn't have a demo tape. But that's all right because we, we, uh, we eventually saved $300, made a demo tape. I took it to the critic. He played it on the air. And when I was leaving, this is several months later, he said, um, by the way, 
I am putting together a band. It'd be kind of cool to have a 15-year-old kid in the band. So if you want to audition for it, you can learn these songs and you can audition for my band. Well, I thought that'd be amazing because we'd be playing at the music farm and we'd be playing all around Charleston, South Carolina. And that'd be a pretty cool gig for a 15-year-old. So I lock myself in the room. I start learning all the songs on the tape. Um, a tape. A tape is... Um, um, and my mom walks in. Again, I got to ask, what on earth does this have to do with the story of Joseph? Answer, nothing. This has nothing to do with Joseph. One night, this is all I'm going to say about this, because I promise I know you didn't come to hear me talk about my nostalgic 15-year-old memories, but talking about a dream, uh, my mom walks in, picks up the tape. Yeah, talking about a dream. And all of the songs on the tape had cuss words in the title. And, and then even the name of the band had a cuss word in the name of the band, and Buck's laughing because... The name of the band is so inappropriate, I can't say it in church. I can't even allude to it in church. But that was the band I was auditioning for. And my mom, who was a Methodist minister's daughter, had old-fashioned Monk's Corner values. And she's like, what is this? And I'm like, this is the band I'm auditioning before. Do you think it's old-fashioned Monk's Corner values or maybe biblical values? You know, just throwing it out there. And she said, if you think I'm going to let you go audition for this band, you've lost your mind. If you think I'm going to let you audition for a band called the Beats, then you've lost your mind. To which I said, then I'll run away from home. You will not stand in the way of my dream. Right? Because a dream will make you bold. A dream. Again... Joseph's dream was a prophetic dream. The source of that dream was God. I demonstrated that from the Psalms in my teaching on the Old Testament, part two. And we never got to find out whether or not I would have had the courage to pack it all up and head out on the mean streets of Monk's Corner on my own. To chase my dream because I auditioned for the band and I didn't make it. But the point of the story... Now, notice what he just said there. He said he auditioned for the band, but he didn't make it. I want to point something out. That's a breaking of the commandment. The, The commandment says, you shall honor your father and your mother. That's what scripture says. But there's a prophecy given by the apostle Paul regarding the last days. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. Lovers of self, we have a term for that. It's called narcissists. And Stephen Furtick, by making all of the scriptures about himself, I would say he falls into this category, but it gets a little bit worse. They will be lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, and watch this, disobedient to their parents. Yeah, I would argue that Stephen Furtick is a narcissist and that he's definitely just talked about how disobedient he was to his parents, and it just slips right on by and nobody even cares. He flat out disobeyed his mother. His mom said, you are not to audition in that band You will not audition for that band, and he did it anyway. Listen again. I'll back this up just a few seconds. Back it all up and head out on the mean streets of Monk's Corner on my own to chase my dream because I auditioned for the band and I didn't make it. But the point of the story that I'm trying to tell you 
I auditioned but didn't make it. I disobeyed my mother. Is this. That a lot of times, the dream we start out with, the dream that we think we see in one stage of our life, will show up later in our life in a different dimension. And it will be such a a different dimension that we will not even recognize the dream as the original dream. What are you talking about? This has nothing to do with the story of Joseph. So let me see. When I was in high school, I wanted to be a naval aviator. I wanted to fly F-18s. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. And that was the dream. And that didn't turn out that way. So now I do fighting for the faith, and I'm also a pastor. What's the connection? It's not the same dream, and I cannot say that God himself was the one who gave me the dream to fly F-18s for the U.S. military. Definitely not. The Bible says that when Joseph was 17 years old, he had a dream. Given to him by God. The Psalms make that clear. And his brothers hated him all the more for it. That phrase, all the more, lets me know that Joseph's brothers already didn't like him. Well, if you had read the text in in context started at the beginning, which was just a few verses before you started, you would already know that they hated him because his father loved him more than they did. Even gave him a really cool coat. And we can argue if we, if we want to about whether Joseph was wise to share with his brothers the content of his dream. There is such a thing as talking too much posting too much. There is such a thing as sharing too much. There is such a thing as as thinking that everybody else wants to hear what God has put on your heart. But one thing that we can conclude from the text, even from a biological perspective, is that Joseph was different. The story of Joseph is not about God laying a dream on your heart. It is a story of how God saved the people of Israel through a famine, through a savior that he sent ahead of them, who was betrayed for pieces of silver, sold into slavery, falsely accused of something he didn't commit, ends up in prison for 13 years, and then eventually is released after a man who was a baker was hung on a tree. I'm just saying, it's about Jesus. It ain't about you. And nor should you read the story with some kind of expectation. God's going to lay a dream on your heart. And one thing I've noticed about having a dream is that a dream makes you different. Joseph was different from his brothers, not only in his aspirations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving the good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness and denying its power, avoid such people. But he was, he was from a different mother. They shared the same father, Jacob. And if I listed their names, you might recognize a few of them. They were the 
patriarchs of the tribes of Israel. But Joseph didn't come through the same mom that his brothers came through. He was the son of Rachel, the pretty one that his dad really liked. And when Joseph saw that Rachel, his favorite wife, Holly, you're my favorite wife, by the way. I want to put that in this message. Had given him a son. He liked him. He liked him extra special. And he treated him special. And he felt differently about Joseph than the other boys. To the point, I don't know if you've, if you've read the story lately. But you remember he, he bought him a Gucci coat. And You're preaching a sermon. Are you too busy to read out the story? You got something better you should be doing on a Sunday? Why don't you just read the story to them? Why don't you preach it to them? And, and Joseph's always wearing it around all the time. He's like, you like my coat? And his brothers are like, we hate your coat. You like, you like my coat? You, you, you like my coat? You know, they're like, we, we, hate, we, we hate you. We, we hate you because you're different. Okay. It, the text doesn't say anything about they hated him because he was different. You just it inserted that into the text. And you just said that when you have a dream, it'll make you different. You're filling these people's heads with narcissistic nonsense. Now, I have a teenage son right now. And one of the things that I'm trying to work out with him in real time is that people accept what is the same. But they eventually respect what is different. Notice, we're, we're, we're learning a lot about Stephen Furtick. We're learning this much about Jesus. And we're learning this much about Joseph. We're learning a lot about... And he thinks he knows what this text is about. But he's totally wrong. He, he has no clue whatsoever. Or if he does have a clue, he's rejected it flat out. That the story is about Christ. So he's not reading it out, not reading it in context, and he's filling everybody up with this idea that, oh, yeah, you're going to get this God-sized, God-given dream, and it's going to make you different. You're going to be special. Ah, it's all about you. People eventually come around and respect what stands out. But what happens to most of us is that the, the moment we start to realize the differences between us and other people, we downplay our distinctives in order to fit in and conform with culture. I, 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 I'm almost speechless at this point. This, is, this guy is literally feeding these people ego-inflating nonsense and trying to make it look like this is what the Bible teaches. One thing I'm proud about when I read about Joseph, and, and, and I know it's weird to say that I'm proud of Joseph like he cares, but I'm proud that he had the courage to wear his coat anyway. You know what I mean? It, 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 may, it may have been unwise, but I'm proud of him that he was not afraid to show up in the room looking different because he was clothed with the fabric of the favor of his father. And I wonder, are you courageous enough to wear your coat? Because a lot of times what I've found is that God will begin to show you things about yourself, about your life, about your calling, about your direction. 
how about their sinfulness? Their need for a savior. Just how far short of the glory of God they've fallen. You know, th- things like that. About what he's put inside of you, about the gifts he's given you. But someone will, someone will actually beat the distinctive out of you if you don't know clearly enough that I have a calling from God who is greater than people. And if he is for me, who can be against me? Oh, look, it's the first version of a standing ovation, man, as he con- continues to just scratch their itching ears, telling them what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. This is all mythology. This is not sound doctrine. This is not what the story of Joseph is about at all. Touch somebody next to you and say, I'm going to wear my coat. I'm going to wear my coat. You really? Utterly clueless. Even if people criticize me for it, I'm not ashamed to walk in the love and the favor of God. Oh, we need some Christians who don't check their coat at the door of culture, who are unashamed to be optimistic about the future because you know God is already there. If he is the author and the finisher of your faith. This is demonic. You see what I'm saying? A dream will make you different. And it takes courage to be different. It takes courage to speak different. If you, get a, if you get a hold of a dream, or better said, if a dream gets hold of you from the throne of God, it'll make you walk different, talk different, think different, eat different, drink different. Understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. Yeah. Party different, text different. It'll make you different. Yeah, you're going to text differently. Maybe you'll text with your pinkies rather than your thumbs. dream will make you different and I'm glad that Joseph had the courage to be different and I wonder do we have the courage to be different the weird thing about our church is that a lot of times people will be attracted to our church because it's different oh it's different all right different Jesus Different gospel, different doctrine than biblical Christianity. It's different, all right, yeah. And then when they get to the church, they'll start trying to tell us how we need to make it like the church that they left to come to the church that was different. (laughs) This has nothing to do with the story of Joseph either. Man, not only did he find himself in the story of Joseph, he's found Elevation Church in the story of Joseph. They have the courage to wear their coat, you know. I don't want to say amen to the preacher today. (laughs) It's the truest thing. Like you're attracted to something because it's different. And uh, they even say this in marriage that before marriage opposites attract and then opposites attack because you're attracted to what's different. You're drawn to what's different. Not at first. At first you fear it. That's why they had to take the uh, old town road off of the uh, billboard charts on country music because it was too different. They couldn't, they couldn't find a category for it. And they said, it's not country enough, but it's not rap enough. And we don't know what it is. It's different. 
That's why they crucified Jesus. You know you don't have many preachers. They can put Lil Nas X and Jesus in the same paragraph. They, they crucified Jesus because he was, you know, different. Weird. Jesus said that no one takes his life from him. He lays it down of his own accord. Huh. And he bled and died for our sins. But he was so different. We don't know what to do with him. He's grace and truth. He's different. Somebody shout, I'm different. And I don't mean different in style. I mean different in substance. I don't mean different just for the sake of difference because that's frankly kind of a... Yeah, the thing is that they're the same like all of us, sinners in need of a savior. And Stephen Furtick is trying to convince them how different they are. I think you get the point. I mean, Scripture explicitly says that in the last days that people are going to follow doctrines of demons. In fact, let me see if I can find that real quick. I mean, yeah, at 1 Timothy 4, Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Yeah, um, I, I would put Stephen Furtick into that category as well. It's just, wow. So, I mean, just... The comparative work is stark. And you'll note that uh, in order to make this text about him, he, he can't read the story. He can't actually exegete the text. He can just kind of work through little pieces of it and then twist and mangle it and spin it to be about him and about you. But when you read the story in its entirety and you consider how it relates to the story of Christ and how uncanny the connections are, you can see what's really going on in the story of Joseph. And that's the thing. Stephen Furtick is one of the most popular evangelical preachers on the planet today. But the thing he's doing is filling people's heads with narcissistic nonsense. He doesn't preach Christ. He doesn't preach Christ named crucified for our sins. He doesn't call people to repent. He calls people to think of themselves as different. as you know, To have the courage to wear their coat. Nonsense like that it really is truly a mess so what'd you think love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of fighting for the faith you can do so my email address is talkback at fighting for the or you can subscribe on facebook facebook.com forward slash pirate christian follow me on twitter my name there at pirate christian Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.